This is Transistor.fm. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2020. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson. I do product and marketing. Follow along as we continue on this transistor.fm journey. Uh, how's it going, John? It's going right. How was your weekend? Uh, it was all right. It's good, I guess. Uh, you know, sun was out. I got some sun, made some bread. Nice. What kind of bread do you... Can you still get bread supplies in America? Uh, yeah, you can. I've... Um... It's a little tough, I think, at the grocery store. I think yeast is still okay. a problem to get and some flour, but I do sourdough, so it's not not an issue. I already had a starter and then ordered some ordered some flour from a a mill that is in Illinois. Wow. Wait a second. So sourdough, you don't need to have yeast. You don't use uh you don't use instant or dry active yeast. You you basically make your own with flour and water. That's what the starter is. The starter is just a. The starter is it is. I mean, it is yeast, but it's not. It's not yeah. store bought. Like uh, I don't know, whatever. It doesn't dehydrated. come in those little those little dry yeah, yeah dry granules. Nope. Got it. Wow. Weird, man. It's science. Whenever I baked bread, yeah. Is that the part you like? Is is like just that. All that stuff, like taking care of the starter and yeah, I mean, figuring all that stuff out? Yeah, it's just uh, it's a relaxing thing to do, to make make some dough. And then every time you bake it, it usually works out pretty well. And it's like every time it's just sort of amazing that it actually worked and you made bread and then you can eat it. And it's delicious. <laughs> I mean, it, it just tastes way better uh, than other bread, too. Yeah. And it's just kind of, I don't know, cool that it works and it's like three ingredients now, now how much restraint do you have after you've baked something depends like depends how like do you eat it right away <laughs> sometimes depends how hungry <laughs> i am yeah uh yeah the, i the first loaf i made years ago that was really good i ate i think more than half of it and that was basically just dinner with like butter <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible yeah, that was good that was good that that is living the quarantine high life right there. So over the weekend, I read this this Andreessen post that everyone's talking about. Do you know which one I'm I'm talking uh, about? I saw references to it. Yeah, it's time to people. build. And uh, uh-huh. sounds so, like some sounds like some venture capital bullshit. <laughs> I mean, so it's pretty easy to be cynical about it because it's coming from Andreessen and. There's certainly parts of it that are we should be cynical about. But I read it and you know I'm one thing that I try I'm trying to do is just be open and conducive to good ideas even when you know maybe people's ba- past behavior whatever, you know. And I honestly I think the post does have some good ideas. Uh and Again, it's easy to be cynical about it because part of what he's saying is, "Hey, we need to build. How come we can't? How come we can't build factories where we can make these, you know, medical supplies and devices and things?" And the cynical part is, you go, "Well, Mark, how come you were investing in uh, crypto kitties instead of uh, right. <laughs> instead of these?" Yeah, but you know, I 
good ideas are what we need, or at least ideas, and then we can build on those ideas, right? And, you know, c- certainly a lot of people found it uh, encouraging as well. So uh, I've been on social media all weekend. I'm the opposite of you. I yeah. I went for a walk. Yeah, I, I, I refer to it as the other disease <laughs> that is probably a little more harmful to society. Social media. Yeah. Mm. Except I love it. I'm I'm like fully I'm fully taking a drag every day, uh, and so I I went to my office, which is empty right now, and I just said, you know, I'm just going to go live on Periscope and talk about this article, and I'm you know I'm live and I'm just talking the way I the way I do, and yeah. this guy this guy with the handle. I'm for USA kept like say kept at asking to like there's an invite button where they want to like come live on the screen and like talk. Uh-huh. And so he kept in, you know, he kept asking and uh I was like, I don't know. I was like talking to him on the live stream, like, I don't know, man, like your handle and you have no avatar. And it just seems like <laughs> this is too risky. <laughs> And he's like, no, no, I'm a good person. I'm like, okay, let's do it. So he came on and I sent you a little clip. Did you listen to that? Yeah. 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 It, uh, we can listen to it right now, Chris. For business yeah. leaders, you know, if you're, you got quarterly reports, you got uh, immediate stock price. And even yeah. if you're a private business, you got, you know, you're trying to make money now. You're trying to win customers market share penetration now so are you you're only going to do what you have to for that kind of like emergency prep stuff you're not going to go overboard with that yeah so how do how do we incentivize long-term thinking how do we incentivize long-term thinking let's say for what for business people we did have a society at one point businesses invested most of their profits back into r&d back into hiring more people And that trend seems to have stopped. Is there any way we can incentivize that on a systemic level? Um, Well, I I love the question. And that's what I think was missing from Andreasen's article. That was why I jumped on. Mm -hmm. And that's my beef. Because he wasn't asking that question. He wasn't asking where where did we go wrong or systemically how we're not aligned to kind of these objectives. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I don't want to pretend like I have all the answers I could spout, but mm-hmm. probably nothing smart that you can't think of on your own. <laughs> I, I'm happy to spout, but I don't know that I'm going to really kind of add a lot of value if I just start yeah. spouting. Yeah. Well, this is good. I really enjoyed this. I'm glad I took the risk. Cool. Uh, all right. Anyway, I, I like the thoughtful conversation. It's, yeah. it's definitely kind of uh, uh, not common, let's say, on Periscope. So keep at it. And thanks for having me. And stay healthy. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. It it actually turned out to be a really good conversation, and I, you know, I definitely got the sense that him and I might not agree on everything, but it was interesting. As soon as we were in the space of him and I both talking and kind of going back and forth, uh, you know, by the end of the conversation, we're like, you know what, that was that was a good that was a good chat. That conversation led to this tweet that I'll link to in the show notes. Um, someone asked me how we can promote long-term thinking in our society. Like, that's kind of the question. Like, how can we quit being so reactive and actually promote longer-term thinking? 
And I was thinking about this for myself, especially when we were building Transistor. And when I, the, the times where I couldn't think long term, when I was just kind of like going panicky. I, I don't know if you remember that when I was like trying to like get us to raise money and yeah yeah well, you had other ideas of other things you wanted to start yeah but but it was kind of manic you know and as soon as we were making money and I was getting paid regularly it was just like all those that that immediate kind of manic reactionary stuff went away and so I think part of the the part of the, the the thing that came to my head was to promote long-term thinking, we need to provide for people's basic needs first. And so I tweeted this out and it's since generated a ton of conversation. Um, it's probably the most talked about tweet I've had in a while. Mm-hmm. And there's something about that whole experience that just fired me up. I read a little bit of the thread. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't think it's like natural for humans to really plan long term. I, I mean, maybe not until lately. It's like a, mo- a very modern thing, it seems like. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. And we haven't been good at it. Obviously, look at climate, climate stuff. Yeah. Not great at that. Even, even planning for this whole pandemic, we knew it would happen at some point. Maybe one or two countries actually planned for it. Um, but I mean, historically, it seems like you know how are you going to how are you going to think long term when you're worried about where you're going to get your next meal or where are you going to sleep that night or whatever like if mm-hmm. you're worried about that stuff you're not you don't care about the long term it doesn't matter yeah but let me push back on that a little bit so like hunting gatherer societies and even the first nations people in north america they had a long term plan that they used all the time, you know, like, especially up north here, uh, they, they would say, okay, in the winter, we're going to go down south here. We're going to camp here. We're going to hunt here. And then in the summer, we'll move back up here. And then we'll collect enough food for the winter. There was a lot of long-term planning and long-term kind of, you know, they had some cycles that they they used. Right. And over over the time, you know, these became like, just regular parts of their life. But it wasn't like they were like they were able to engage in long-term thinking. There's a, I think there's even a an argument that um this this is how uh, homo sapiens made the jump from from uh you know just being scavengers with no consciousness to the point where we could imagine the future. We could imagine if, hey, if we all band together and bring this buffalo down and here's how it might be able to work and here's how, you know, and if we get all the buffalo over to this this cliff, maybe we can, you know, chase them off the cliff. Right. And they, you know, all of that is a form of longer term thinking. I mean, I definitely got some pushback in this in this uh, thread. I'll, I'll let people read it and get back to us because I know some people <laughs> want us to get into mm-hmm. SaaS stuff. But anyway, I the... I think the the bigger point for me is it was this was just fun to get fired up about something and I think that's just part of what for me I was starting to feel creatively dry and just running into this guy on periscope and putting myself in this place where I 
collided with another human being, all of a sudden, like, unleashed all of this thinking that um, was helpful for me, you know, creatively. Yeah, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's plenty of research and books and papers that have been written about this stuff throughout mm-hmm. the years, I would, I would guess. Mm-hmm. But it, again, it, in this current situation, it is really hard to think long term when we have no idea when this is even going to start to begin to be over. Yes. Right? It's like, so, I mean, for me, I'm like, it's the, it's the not knowing that really sucks. Yeah. It's like day to day. I'm I'm okay. But like, if I think out into the future, it's like, I just, what's the point? Because how do we know, how do we know where this is going to end up or what it's going to be like? It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, we have some, we have some ability to sort of, some ability to like shape that for ourselves, I guess. But like as a society, I don't know, individually, it's hard to, hard to know that we have much of an ability to really make this thing end. I mean, we're doing our part by staying inside. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, ultimately it's not up to us. I mean, we can vote eventually, but yeah. So yeah, it's, just, it's the not knowing that is, that's tough. yeah. So I think yeah. You sort of revert, you revert back to like short term thinking of like, all right, what do I need to do today to be okay? And that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. I, I, I mean, yeah, that, that's different. The coping is, is definitely like right now, you're right. In some ways, all we can do is cope one day at a time. Right. Which is why my, my like creative center is not exactly like brimming with ideas. Mm hmm. Because I get as far as like, oh, I'll bake some bread today. <laughs> <laughs> I, have to, I have to start that the day before I bake it. And maybe that's about as long term as I get. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think there's a lot of people going through that. And it's certainly an interesting moment to be in. I, I, hope, I hope there's something good that comes out of this. Yeah, I think there will be. I mean... If we look at yeah. the the history, uh, this this fellow Dan Price on Twitter, he tweeted, after the most 15 recent deadly outbreaks, wages grew over the ensuing three decades by a lot. So, mm. And he's linking to this Wall Street Journal article. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think there's, there is hope, right? Like yeah. after a big shock to the system like this, uh, society wakes up. And uh, over the long term, I think that could be interesting. The, the, the thing that got me, <laughs> the thing that kept me up this morning is, you know, I wrote this article for Saturday called um, Main Street Fights Back. And I'm just getting excited about the opportunities for making our Main Street local uh, economies and and uh, towns better in the long term. Right. And every time I put this out there, I get DMs from other, especially other technical people going, listen, if you hear of an opportunity where I can help out with this, let me know. Like there's this appetite for you know, those of us in tech to help out and it kind of fires me up because there are, there's just some examples, tons of examples of meaningful ways we could make a difference for our local economies, whether it's like helping them set up their own delivery systems that don't rely on 
DoorDash, who takes like 30%, whether it's even just helping them get a website and store up that, you know, is a good store. Uh, Jamie, Jamie Lawrence had this tweet thread where he says, what I'd like to see small businesses come out of the crisis with a functioning website, an email newsletter, an online ordering system, and a stock management system connected to their online shop. And this is something that technical people can make a meaningful change on, right? <laughs> like it, it's, it's, it's not as difficult for us to help folks with those things. And just even that list he gave could really help local shops be more resilient. And, you know, the folks I've already helped locally here have already you know, benefited from it. Like now they're getting online orders, they're doing local deliveries. And so that part I think is exciting and makes me, and that, that was what was keeping me up. Yeah. There's a, there is a cynical part of me that is like, it just seems like a lot of hubris on the part of people that can code Mm. by thinking that like code can fix everything in the world. Yeah. But in some ways, I, I mean, I, I totally understand that hubris. But there, <laughs> on the other hand, the the internet and the network effects you can achieve with technology um, that you and I have benefited from massively. Yeah, that's true. It feels like we could apply that same network effect for local businesses who really need it, whose margins, if they're lucky, are five to ten percent, they have such low margins, and they're <laughs> they're like my friend Andrew who owns this coffee shop. He's like, "Hey man, like there's this there's this site that's pitching me that will make my store an app, and it costs two hundred dollars American a month." And I was just like, "Man, I was like, that is so expensive for a little cafe." And technically, I just know that's a bad deal. It's not going to be great, and it's not going to move them ahead uh, in any sort of meaningful way. No, not more than $200 a month. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... So I think we do have a place here where um, instead of us with hubris maybe going, I'm going to make a product for restaurant owners that they're going to pay $39 a month for, I think there's a space for us to go, you know what? We can help these stores out without trying to, without trying to like make it into another startup. Like let's just help these people right. for free or for low cost or whatever and and have it be that for now. <laughs> that sounds great. I think there's so much more that has to happen higher up at a governmental level mm-hmm. to support people being able to do this stuff like like you said, being able for people that for people to have their basic needs met um and still feel like they can make a meaningful impact on society right mm-hmm. i mean you get a, you can get in these arguments of like oh if everyone just if everyone gets money and healthcare is free and education is free then they have no incentive to work it's like i don't i don't buy that yeah that so i think people still have a desire to like work and contribute like that's Oh, for sure. You have to have that to like have any meaningful life. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think there's a lot that really needs to happen and hopefully will happen based on what we're seeing uh, in the near future from 
governments around the world. Like I, there's just, I don't see a way to get out of this current situation without massive help from the government. Like it's going to be a, just a disaster. Yes. There's probably going to be a second wave of infections. It's going to be more people who lose their jobs and it's going to be so catastrophic that like there has to be some safety net. Absolutely. So, and, and the U S just doesn't have that. Yes. And this is part of what and we're seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. This is part of what people, some people were arguing with me in the, in the, this tweet thread that people can look at. Um, because there's some, there's some folks that are cynical about, well, if you give people what they need, there's no evidence that they start to, what my point was, I, I think they, they do start to think long-term and they said, well, there's no evidence of that. And there is lots of studies that show that, um, that poor people become overwhelmed by their desperation for sustenance, for, you know, enough money to live on. And that, that, that overwhelm disables them from thinking long-term, thinking cognitively, et cetera. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, everyone's like, oh, you just got to pull yourself up air bootstraps. Well, you can't do that if you're working three jobs and you don't have healthcare and you have to basically all your money goes towards food and rent. Like you don't, there's no freedom to do that. Exactly. At all. But the the cynical folks, and maybe this is fair, they're saying, well, but there's no proof that once you give those people the, you know, the basic needs, that they will automatically start thinking long-term. Right. And I'm still digging into that. I think there's, I think there's some uh, evidence of this, especially in my own life. I've, I've felt this over and over again. But <laughs> even if it's not like a hundred percent for sure thing, just knowing that people will always be, dis- they they won't have the ability to think long term as long as their basic needs aren't being met. Let's at least give them the opportunity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Let's at least give them the opportunity. And one of my points in the in the live stream, and I I say okay, I might get in trouble for this, but Canadians seem to over index in so many things, entrepreneurship, the arts, like the, the fact that at Laracon, I think a third or even up to a half of the speakers were Canadian. And this has happened to me on a lot of panels. Like we have, you know, I, or, or uh, speaking gigs, I'll go there. And like a big percentage of us are, are Canadian. And we, we have the population of California like, huh. like if, if there's 10 speakers, maybe there should be one Canadian speaker, but <laughs> look at you, look at conference lineups and look at the people who are making an impact in the world of tech and the world of art and the world of entrepreneurship, Canadians way over index on these things. And why is that? Well, my theory is that it's because we have a social, <laughs> social safety net. I, c- right. I couldn't have done transistor. If on top of worrying about, you know, money, which is everyone worries about, if on top of that, I was worried, I have four kids who like, you know, they're mountain biking, they're out in the backyard doing stuff. If I had to worry that one day I was going to come home and my kid was going to have a broken leg and that would be a, you know, whatever, a $10,000 bill or how much it costs. Yeah. I, that would be, that would completely, uh, be that would be debilitating yeah and 
this is important. So for those of you that are rolling your eyes about, hey, come on, talk about the build your SaaS part. I think this is important <laughs> because it, if you are in the U.S. or another state that doesn't have any sort of safety net, it's just harder to build a business. I, I have hung on to jobs longer than I would have wanted to because of things like health insurance. Yeah. Absolutely. And even now, even now, you and I are trying to, are because your health insurance is is always a big question for us as a two-person right. company. Yeah. Yeah. For those... Yeah, for those listening, I pay $700 a month for my health insurance and I'm a healthy adult male. Yeah. I don't know if that's I don't I don't know if it's a lot or not. I mean, it's a lot of money, but like yeah, it it'll probably go up next year because the insurance company in the US are going to raise their rates because of COVID-19, which is ridiculous, but that's what it is. So like, yeah, it's it's going to in a in an economic crisis like this, you want people to eventually be able to start businesses, but like there's only going to be a certain amount of people who can. And those people are probably already the people that have money and have the freedom to do it. Exactly. So I, yeah, I think if I was a citizen of the USA, <laughs> I, I'd, I would be thinking about this the next time you go to vote. Like if you are an entrepreneur, th- these are the kinds of things you should be thinking about. And honestly, like maybe I'm wrong, Let, prove me wrong, but I think my point about Canadians over-indexing on uh, in like entrepreneurship, in even our profile, like how was how did I manage? I mean, there's some privilege here, but how did I manage to carve out this profile I have? Like, I'm I'm just a jackass from Stony Plain, Alberta. I'm from nowhere, <laughs> and the the idea that I would eventually be speaking at these conferences and would have people interested in what I had to say. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous in a lot of ways. So what gave me the freedom? What freed me up to be able to do that stuff? And part of it is, university is not as expensive here. So I was able to to pay off my university right away. Uh, part of it is healthcare. So even, even like when I have things to worry about, that's one less thing I have to worry about. And so I just had more time to invest in, uh, you know, writing things on the internet and building an audience and making connections. And eventually, uh, you know, got to the point where uh, I had a profile and I'm not even saying that's right for everybody, but do you understand what I'm saying? Like, it's just Wes Boss, Adam Wathen, Steve Shoger, Shopify, uh, uh, Andrew Wilkinson from Tiny. Like, there's all of these names over and over and over again. Uh, Mary Marie Poulin. Like, these are these are names people know, <laughs> and they're Canadian. Yeah. And we our population is tiny. It's th- we're 36 million people. I mean, I'm sure there's a, a variety of factors there, but when I talk to Canadians about this stuff, all of us are like, "Yeah, if if we didn't have public health care, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be able to do this. There's just no way." Yeah, it affects things. Um, yeah, I it's it's a big topic. I mean, I've I have some friends that are a little more right leaning. I said I would say politically, mm-hmm. and they're. They're of the opinion of like, well, 
you shouldn't have gone to university if you knew you were going to be in debt or you should have gotten a degree that you was like more worthwhile. Like don't go into like mm-hmm. get a music degree or something like that. It's like, well, sure, but there's quite a bit of importance, in, you know, having a, an arts an arts program in the country that is like, yeah, like th- what kind of society do you want to live in? If there's like, there's no art, there's no music, there's no painting or there's no like, well, that that's the exact question. That's the exact, that question you just asked, what kind of society do you want to live in? Right. Do you just want to live in, listen, like I'm all for business in Canada. I am more right of center than, um, left of center, probably. Like I, I, <laughs> well, actually, I'm probably more center. But, I, like, I'm not in Canada. I'm not far left at all. In in you know, I mean, there's there's the far right, and the, I'm probably right in the middle. I'm probably you know center, and depending on the issue, I'm you know, a little bit left, left, a little bit right. Uh, I'm not a super hippy dippy like socialist person. I still think markets are important. I still think there's a role to play with, at least now, maybe I'll change my mind, with capitalism. But, you know, like I was I was thinking about this the other day. In, in school growing up, Canadian kids, I'm not sure if we're still taught this, but we're taught we have a mixed economy. And a mixed economy is taking parts of capitalism and taking parts of socialism and mixing them together and the criticism of mixed economies is that they don't work it just it's hard to convince a bunch of canadians that because we're just like well but it does work we're (laughs) thriving in a lot of ways we still have problems but you know honestly i think a lot of our problems are when we veer too much toward the kind of american like neoliberal like come on it's the economy the only thing that matters is the economy you just gotta work yeah the only thing that matters is working get back to work growth growth at all costs yeah come on it's like no we life's life life is about not just about that stuff and 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 anybody who wants to have a life like even people who love work uh hopefully they like something else like mountain biking or you know uh going to their kids play um yeah. seeing their kids dance recital like those are the arts those are things that matter too what kind of society do we, we want to live in and this is a great time to ask that question well and you can still love business and you can still love work i love work you can still love those things and ask the <laughs> the other question which is yeah, maybe right. I think. maybe life could be better <laughs> yeah i think they can I think they can work well together. I'm sure we'll be. I'm sure we'll be learning more about that in the coming months and years. Oh, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to hear from listeners on this one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's jump to the third thing here. Um, okay. Thinking about what we're working on right now. Where you're, yeah. you're still working on Tailwind. Yeah, I'm still. I'm still redoing our dashboard. It's coming along fairly well. Uh, I keep saying that every time, but, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, I'll be honest, it's slow. Like everything with everything happening, it's just been slow. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not working at a hundred percent efficiency here. Yeah. Building this thing. I wonder if, if, if we should, if we're at the point now though, where we could set a deadline for it. I think so. Yeah. And what, and what it includes, like, it's not, 
it has not been a straight reskin of the dashboard. Like I have added things, I've fixed bugs, I've it's not necessarily like a straight Yeah. I'm just gonna reskin this thing with tailwinds, right? So Yeah. Uh there's a lot that went along with it. Oh but, yeah. I think it's gonna be I it's gonna be a big improvement in a lot of ways. Um yeah. I'm just wondering now, like, you know, we've we've had some time with it and I'm just starting to get that itch of <laughs> I mean I, I'm starting to get the itch of like I want to work on some other stuff. I'm sick of working on this. I'm not sick of it, but you know, it's like I want this thing to be done. And as with any new feature, if we want to call this a feature, like it's always a little scary to put it out in the world because I know there's gonna be a percentage of people that are like, I like the old one better. This doesn't work. There's gonna be bugs. And obviously that'll you know, we'll have to fix those as they come up, but. Okay. So let's, let's, let's try to think about when a deadline could be. One thing I think we need to do right away to alleviate some of that anxiety is email our users and just tell them what we've been working on. Yeah. Tell, tell them, yeah, we should tell people what they're working on, what we're working on. Here's a couple screenshots or a video. Here's what's, here's what's changing. Here's what's new. Here's what's fixed. Because I think that will help with the anxiety, because at least then a percentage of our users, we won't be able to reach everybody, but a percentage of our users will have a heads up. So it won't be a shock when they log in and, and things look different. Right. So, so let's do that like today, if we can. Um, I could even just send, you could give me one screenshot and I could just say, okay, here's a little heads up. And then we could have a series of emails. It doesn't have to be just one. Uh, which might be better anyway. It might help us, um, you know, hit hit more people. <laughs> God, yeah, <laughs> hit more people. Connect with more people. We gotta we gotta watch our language. Uh, so if we do that, you know, today and then over the next couple of weeks, what do you think would be a reasonable timeline for us getting this out? Um, probably the first week of May, if not earlier. I mean, oh, really? That's like right away. Yeah, it's coming up. Okay. So like two weeks, week and a half, two weeks. Okay, so two weeks, week and a half. I don't know if you want to do like Wednesday, May 6th. Let's say that. I don't know. Okay, Wednesday, May 6th. Might might be before that. Good. Well, I feel good. So, And what, what needs to happen before then? Is there some big bullet points that you think we should be thinking about before then? Um, the biggest ones are really um, just making sure it works. I mean, most browsers now are like totally fine. There's not an issue except for if we want it to actually function in IE 11. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I don't think so because we've already kind of, we've already said that we're not supporting IE 11 for a lot of our, but this is one of the, this is one of the things we should, I know we've removed a lot of our analytics, but we do still have a sense of, mm. of who is using our dashboard and what they're using. Right? Yeah. 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 With, with Fathom, with Fathom, we get that right. Yeah, so let's see here. We don't, uh, well, mixed panel, we would be able to see what browser they use the app in. Right, right, right. Um, I don't know if I can do that live on the on here, even though that would be super interesting. Yeah. But either way, either way, if, if there is a significant amount of Internet Explorer 11 or whatever, mm-hmm. then there's things we, there's things we can do. It's mo- mostly, mostly it's, uh, the JavaScript that's going to be the issue. Yeah. So there's there's like JavaScript polyfills you can use, and it'll like fix stuff that doesn't work in IE11. And but it's like, you know, just a little more work to add that stuff in and make sure it works. 
We, I think every startup should be able to send Microsoft a bill right. for that externality. Right. That's like, it's like how many little startups with no money are like working away yeah. so that they can like support this crusty browser yeah. that, and even like Microsoft is already, at least lately they've been saying, like they've been releasing posts that say they're not even officially supporting it for some things, but come on, like just help us out here also like that the google uh the googles the google is is putting all of these requirements on people that use their like email apis and mapping apis they have to go through these like sixty thousand dollar security audits yeah i that's why our youtube feature doesn't work anymore oh oh that is why i have it yeah because we're supposed to get we're supposed to get an approval of our of our um our like oauth api integration screen that pop it's like i i don't know there's no there's no status of where it's at there's no way to contact anyone so it's just like this black hole of like i don't know that's it's just bullshit yeah so, it's really frustrating so now we're explicit chris it's just bullshit i i i can't stand like this is another reason why big tech it just makes me mad it's like on one hand yes yes i know like we run we run transistor on some big tech like we use amazon web services and all that stuff but they they do not treat the 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 little uh businesses and the little people very well no right and it it's like why why are you making it so hard for just small time developers small time internet shops it just it's it's super frustrating mm-hmm. and and it's like the invariably no matter what, no matter how kind they are to, you know, independent devs and independent businesses at the beginning, invariably they start to lock things down and, you know, put the squeeze on all these people that help build their platform. And I used to feel like in the past, I was more like, well, you shouldn't have built on Twitter if you, you know, like I was, I was one of those jackasses. And now I'm like, no, that's, it's just bullshit. It's the they big tech should be held accountable for some of that stuff. Yeah, it's just it it's just it mostly just frustrating because I don't know where it stands and I have no way to contact anyone. Yeah. Because yeah, we're a small company. Like they're not gonna they're not gonna like prioritize us. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's okay for on one hand for us to give the advice of like, hey folks, like if you're building a SaaS, be careful, don't build on someone else's platform which is true. Like, mm-hmm. I think you shouldn't build on someone else's platform if you can. But on the other hand, go like still hold these, these people to account and go, come on, like Google, you don't need to do that. You don't need to charge small little businesses, $60,000. And uh, like in podcasting, the IAB, you don't need to be charging yeah. small little podcast hosting companies whatever it is now, 30 to 60 grand, so we can get some certification. It's basically just designed to kill small businesses. You know who doesn't do this is folks like uh, like independent business folks that understand other independent businesses. Like Taylor Otwell has this product called Nova. And Uh the pricing for Nova, let me see if I can still find it, is... If you're a solo developer, it's $99 per project. If your grossly yearly revenue is below 20000 And if 
you are above $20,000 in revenue, you pay $199 per project. Mm-hmm. Now, those tiers might not be perfect. There's also, uh, clearly, there's problems. Like, how do you know if they're actually 20 or 1,000 or whatever? But what I like about it is it at least recognizes that there's a difference. And 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 maybe if he was going to tweak it, I would tweak it so it's like $39 per project for solo and $4.99 per project if you're pro or something. Yeah, I mean, it. Yeah, it's yeah. the whole YouTube thing too is just related to like how the, this whole like, integration integrating with other services is like such a blessing and a curse yeah because now it's like we have customers that have signed up well for one reason because we had this feature to sync to youtube Mm -hmm. and now we might just have to pull it completely yeah at some point and like no we can't we we disabled it no one can use it no one new can use it people who already have it are fine but like Mm -hmm. it just it just feels bad it's like oh sorry like when there's nothing we can do yeah but you, you know what you know who we haven't had trouble with is all these little bootstrap companies. I mean, some of them aren't little, but you know, ConvertKit. We have an integration with them, right? We, we didn't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. They just had some documentation that we integrated with uh, Mailchimp. I mean, Mailchimp's huge now, but it feels like the the bootstrapped companies just get it. Yep, I would totally agree with that. Anyway. And I don't know. I don't know if there's another way to get videos on YouTube. I mean, through Zapier. I don't, I have no idea. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's something we could start thinking about too. What do you think? Just to close here, what do you think we should be kind of thinking about building next? What what what's kind of top of mind for you? There's a couple of things that keep coming up. Uh, one is us having an API that people can actually read and write to and from. Mm-hmm which we don't have, um, I, we haven't really needed it. I don't, I mean, like, uh, I know people want to build, they want to build automations of their own on top of our API, which I, which makes sense. And I get, um, it just hasn't been a huge, hasn't been a huge demand really, but it's enough and it's getting to the point where I think it would be useful even for us probably to build, mm-hmm. we could build stuff on top of our own API and, you know, yeah, totally. That would be helpful. Um, I think we still get quite a few requests for improvements in our analytics, which I think is an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. Like we've had just hundreds of requests for different stuff, and I hope we have a list of that somewhere. But yeah, I don't know if these are in any particular order, but our private podcasting feature is really popular. I think there's a number of improvements we can mm-hmm. we can build on on top of that. Yeah, and the other one that comes up quite a bit. <laughs> that you, you're you're not like super excited about i think is the podcast websites i yeah i mean i i'm excited about that i think that's going to be a pretty big planning shaping process for those because it could go one either one of two ways we either build it build a podcast website feature that is really customizable or we build one where it's like you're getting this and that's mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know which i'm leaning towards but yeah 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 <laughs> I mean, like you can customize some colors. Yeah. Maybe, maybe add some custom pages, but like beyond that, like that's, this is what you get. Yeah. You can, I think I, you can use your old site if you want for a while, or you can upgrade to the new ones and you don't get the old ones back. Yeah. I think, I think I'm leaning towards, you know, people can still use the legacy site, but the next version of our podcast websites, I'd like to be super simple and super templated and pretty locked down. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think there's 
something you said for like some branding and color and stuff like that that people want to add. But yeah. Yeah, like giving them the choice to choose a, you know, here's the color scheme, here's your logo, um, and making it flexible enough that, you know, it meets the needs of most folks. Like, yeah, maybe we need to have a special section for who hosts the podcast with their pictures and stuff. Maybe we need to have a section that allows people to link to a a merch site or something. and so like taking all those considerations into taking all those things into consideration and then coming out with something that's like, okay, this is just the base template that will fit most people's needs is customizable enough. Looks really great. Yeah. It might be, it might be something where we hire someone to work and work with them. Someone who has been involved in podcasting and knows what kind of what the site needs to have on it but it's also a really good designer yeah so i don't know maybe yeah and someone i i mean to be honest <laughs> i'd like it someone maybe someone well i guess we could go two ways we could go with like a traditional like design and photoshop person or we could hire somebody that's really good at designing in the browser with tailwind and yeah i'd prefer something like that. yeah yeah that's me too because that's the other advantage of us moving over to tailwind is that once that's done we can kind of move all of these other things over to Tailwind as well. And then we have this one design system we're using for everything. You know, even, even I can, can make fixes and, and I know, I know how to work my way around Tailwind. So I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I think if I was going to prioritize them, I would go API first and then a quick sprint on private podcasting just to add a few things and then podcast websites would be the next thing all right because api i mean some of our biggest fans are technical people and we've in some ways become the home of like it's not a huge percentage of our customers but it's still enough and these folks like they're the ones that tell other people about transistor as programmers and you know startup people and right and so it would be, it would just be nice to give them the ability because they're so hungry for it. They just want to like yeah. Build it so my that- my main concern there again is like this is a, a it would be a, it's going to be a brand new thing and it's along with it is going to come a lot of support on top of what we already have. It's just like another thing to support. Right? Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's I the first one the first version is not going to have everything everybody wants. It's going to be missing some things for sure. Yeah, and we'll hear about that. You you had floated the idea. We should we should stop recording here, but. You had floated the idea of maybe hiring somebody that's like excited. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a one off project that I think is fairly self contained. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, that someone could kind of pick up and run with. And there are people like are there people that like building APIs? Um, yeah, probably somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> or like you know, <laughs> it's been a while since I built one, and like there's different ways to do it, and better ways, and worse ways, and easier ways, and like I. I mean, there's certain people that just have a lot more experience doing it. Yeah. All right, let's end it here. John Buddha, we have 31 Patreons giving us $327 oh. per month. All right. Do you want to thank those people? I do. Let me take a deep breath. <laughs> uh, thanks to everyone, as always. Uh, we have Sophia Quintero, Diogo, Chris Willow, Mason Hensley, Borja Soler, Ward Sandler, Eric Lima, James Sowers, Travis Fisher, Matt Buckley, 
Russell Brown, Evander Sassy, Preddy Yumna, Shim Becker, Noah Prail, Robert Simplicio, Colin Gray, Josh Smith, Ivan Kirkovic, Brian Ray, Shane Smith, Austin Lovelace, Simon Bennett, Michael Sitver, Paul Jarvis, and Jack Ellis, Dan Buda, you, Darby Frey. <laughs> I was going to say, your huh? brother. <laughs> he, my brother. Yeah, he is my brother. Uh, Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Sammy Schugert, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta, Junta, and Kyle Fox from GetRewardful.com. Thanks, everyone. We'll be back next week. Stay healthy. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.